All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Cynical Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from a pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo, joined as usual by my shaggy-haired friend Jeremy Goldcorn, the man behind Danway.com. How are you, Jeremy? Very, very, very well, Kaiser. How are you? I- I'm good. I'm, I'm good. You know, did earnings this morning, so even in spite of that, I'm, I'm good. We, you did earnings. Yes. And were there earnings? Um, yeah, there were earnings. They, well, that's good. Disappointing so far. Investors, but hey, whatever. We were punished for it, but let us not speak of such things. Actually, I want to. I want to take us back to it, the time before there were internet companies in China, a time before you know there were any listed internet companies anyway, a time before you know we had anything remotely like you know um, ADSL. Um, I'm I'm talking about the late 1990s when when you and me first got here. And the reason we do this today, uh, this little stroll down memory lane to the early days of Jeremy Goldcorn. In in Beijing is because Jeremy, you're actually going to be spending more of your time in the states starting very very soon. That's right. Be spending a lot of this year in the U.S. Uh, okay. The well, you know, we're going to keep the show going. You're just going to Skype it on in, right? And indeed. And uh, so never you fear. But uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to just kind of revisit uh, the good old days when we first started hanging out. Uh, and so uh, we've brought along a couple of good friends from from back in those days. Uh, first, ladies first. Jessica Miter. Jessica is a fabulous musician. Uh, for a while, she was my daughter's vocal teacher. She uh, she she plays guitar. She sings. She went to Berklee School of Music in Boston, and she's been around. I mean, I I still think I know all the songs, all the lyrics to the songs on her first album, Candy. Whoa. Well, yeah. So how are you, Jess? Welcome. I'm really good. Thank you for having me here tonight. Yeah. So uh, and uh, also joining us is Jonathan Ansfield, who is. Uh, a reporter for the New York Times now, but he had less illustrious beginnings. You were a reporter for City Weekend when you were up. depends. How you, de- de- depends how you figure. Depends how you figure. Right, right. That, that, uh, you know, guys, I didn't think you should diss on that. At I, the same I time that he was uh, at City Weekend, I was the managing editor of Beijing Scene, and we were engaged in a death struggle. Right, and and not much later, I I showed up and started. Doing, um, you know, ChinaNow.com, you know, being digital before you douchebags. Right? I know, right. but we were making money while <laughs> right. you guys were spending. I know, we were right. It money. took Hu Jintao's He Xie Shihui to bring us all together, in right. fact, later on. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Anyway, uh, Jonathan, man, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, Jeremy, you had an idea for what we were going to call this show, right? You wanted to initially call it... Yeah, well, I mean, the, the three of you, I have very, very clear memories in the late 90s of seeing you and talking to you at a bar that was called Keep in Touch which was a rock music bar at, the, at a time when Beijing had very few live music venues. And, you know, often live music was kind of, you know, shut down by the police kind of thing. Um, and this was one of the more prominent places where you could see live music. Jess played there. I think you, the yeah, two, we, we you played, played there all the time. Yeah. All, all the, the time. time. Jonathan was there all writing about some of those bands yeah. at the time. Yeah. So well. Keep in Touch just seemed like maybe a nice name, but Jonathan reminded me that there was another place that perhaps was more representative of Beijing, uh, a disco, a nightclub called Nightman. Oh, the Nightman. <laughs> so maybe we can call the show Keep in Touch, Nightman. Okay. <laughs> Keep in Touch, Nightman. <laughs> that sounds like a good name for an album. Hey, l- <laughs> so so talk about the Keep in Touch. Let's, let's, let's share some memories of that place since that's what we're going to start with. Okay, so, you know, whose bar was that? 
I mean, I think everyone believes it was Wang Yong's bar, right? Yeah. That so, was what I was led right. to. Right. So who, who's Wang Yong? Let's 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 fill in his bio. Wang Yong was the the, uh, the keyboardist, and he played Gu Zheng. Uh, I guess he wasn't mostly keyboards. I guess he was trained as a Gujong player. Yeah, right? he was yeah. a good, but he, he played at the conservatory. Yeah. So yeah, and we all called him Da Pi. That was mm. his his nickname, just sort of big ass. Mm. <laughs> he's a big guy. Mm. Well, I mean, he's Red, I mean, particularly large large buttocks. <laughs> and the bar was located right opposite the Kempinski Hotel. That's right. Which was, uh, existed back then. Uh, but the piece of land that the bar was on was a bunch of kind of shitty kind of, you know, low, low-rise low brick yeah, housing yeah, mostly. Back behind this flea market, basically. Right. right. So there's this Adjacent antiques this. market next yeah. door and it had an A&W root beer in the front. That's right. Beijing back then was where brands yeah. went to die. Yeah. <laughs> and as you walked in towards the to keep in touch through the alley of like the ping fong there were all the shaojias knocking on the doors ah, as you were yeah. going by knock, oh knock, right knock, that knock. was great they had a lot of the come hither shaojias in, yeah. in, in the, and uh, there was a good restaurant there was actually this place called Jiotoniao it was like mm. the first one of mm. the, the Jiotoniao chain in, mm. in Beijing it's yeah. Hubei, Hubei, Hubei restaurant Hubei yeah. it was yeah. really good yeah anyway um, that, that bar it was actually not owned by Wang Yong it was actually his sister and her boyfriend her, his sister uh, who unfortunately uh, passed in when, when was that? Like two thousand one? No, no, later on. Later, later than that, two thousand. I want to say six ish. Yeah. Oh, was it that late? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, she I took somehow, tickets. Yeah. So. Yeah. She, yeah so, um, and her then boyfriend Liang Jun, who is still a good friend of my, my wife's son. I see him all the time. He comes. He is a. a He's father of a newborn baby girl and uh, comes over. We go to his place out in, in, in Songjuang all the time. Uh, they they actually owned the place and Wang Yong sort of appropriated it. And he was sort of the, the guy who walked around and, and acted like it was his. But So what happened at this bar that we're talking about? Basically, every weekend, there were for 30 or 40 quai, you could see the entire, uh, you know, in the, in the space of about two or three months, you could basically see the entire uh, rock scene. As it then currently existed, um, so this is Zhuye, Zhangzai, Zhangchu, Cobra, Cobra, Tangdai, Man. Once in a while, did Tsuijian perform there ever? Yeah, Tsuijian played there a couple of times. Yeah, and in the nineties, he was it was difficult for him to perform. I don't know if good old Pangyo. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Zhang Tianshuo, did he ever before he went in? Yeah, in his non-mafia, you know. When he was Roll. still primarily a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was a great, it was quite the place. I mean, yes, it, it, was, was, it was graced by uh, Zhang Ju's motorcycle. Zhang Ju's right. motorcycle. So just um, actually, we're coming up on the anniversary of his death on May 17th. It'll be Explain who my he is, God, 20 years ago. He was the, um, the bass player of Tang Dynasty. Um, he was this young guy when we met him. I mean, he was uh, junior high dropout. He was an athlete. He was a high jumper, actually, really kind of this kind of big. Kind of porcine face, and his eyes would disappear into little crescents when he'd grin, which he was, he was always grinning. He was just the sort of happy go lucky guy in the band. Uh, the band, when I wasn't in it, always had a kind of COG quality to it, uh, <laughs> where our lead singer was very much like, you know, he was that kind of uh, otherworldly, uh, you know, kind of naive Hesheng, you know, like he was Tangsung. And, uh, yeah. Our, when he was sober or not? When, no, when he wasn't, when he was okay. like, you know, on heroin. Yes. <laughs> he was very otherworldly. Yeah. That Our uh, lead guitarist, of course, was Lao Wu, and he was, you know, very much the monkey king, you know, with his, his agility and his kung fu. And then our, our um, 
Our drummer had a personality very much like Sandy, you know, like Sha Ge Zhang, in, mm. in, 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 and and of course that left Zhang Ju to be Zhu Ba Jie, and he fit the role. I mean, physically very well too. He was a big guy, really happy-go-lucky, kind of libidinous and uh, given to long naps and a lot of drink and kind of you know not wanting to get out of bed to rehearse. But the amazing, the amazing thing really about that time was that even though uh, it was this. Small, sort of tucked away little place. Those bands had national renown. All yeah, those bands yeah. had national renown, and no venues to play. I mean, exactly. really, it was very difficult but to mount a show. That place would um, get packed, though. Yeah, it would. Um, you know, there were places before it, like Poachers, and I don't know, like Jam House once in a while. And well, Jam House places. was different. Jam House didn't have like performances. It was so really like, open mic all yeah. the time, right? They had they had some performances, yeah. but it was later too. Jam House came after. Yeah, Jam House wasn't River. around until like 99. Right? Yeah. But what made it special was that it was this one place where there was right. it felt like an actual scene yeah. with rock musicians yeah, regular shows. surrounded by, you know, a city that didn't give a shit and was yeah. in fact yeah, hostile to, to rock music. In fact, you had to go all the way down on 1998. I went uh, I think uh, probably at your at your becking call, sort of uh, all the way down to Henan, Xinjiang for this oh, yeah, 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 yeah. big rock, so-called rock festival that, for whatever reason, had to be held all the way down in Xinjiang in, in, like, in the pit of Henan. And oh, it was such a, well, a pit, right? you know, it's not bad. There's enough bagging on Henan, I think That's we're true. over that. I'm was it better people. than Midi? <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was a dud, I thought, as yeah, a festival. Yeah. I came back, I wrote a piece for City Weekend, I think, where I, you know, I mean, a review, which I don't, didn't even matter at that point, but, uh, you know, where basically I talked more about uh, the, the beauty of, uh, or the quirks of Xinjiang than the actual concert itself. <laughs> so most of the seats were filled by, like, local guar and, uh, you know, other sort of, you know, weird people who were given tickets and that's uh, that's usually how it happened. And the bands there were, when there saw, were stadium shows. And the band that you, bands you saw, you'd pretty much all seen many times to keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they had sort of they had they had sort of juice tried to juice the lineup with uh, people like uh, was it like Sun Yue or some you know uh, was Sun Nan Sun Nan Sun Nan some of these pop, pop, stars, pop stars right um, who you know people in Hunan actually uh, uh, you know uh, well knew of. But there were Ling Dian and other bands too who were more say, pop, like more like Hebao and, and, and right. Yeah. But the, but but the other interesting thing at that time was was sort of the that, that was a period where the progressive rock scene, which you know, if you the Tang Dynasty were certainly the sort of some of the you know, progenitors of, uh, yeah. was sort of in some ways you could say ebbing. Yeah, and, we uh, were, the punks, we were the punks were becoming the young cool. punks, the young punks out of Wudaoko were yeah. becoming cool, and uh, even smaller venue. Even smaller, even shittier, even even more formaldehyde in the fake vodka. Scream! I, I was actually living a place, a place where. Kai, did you ever? Would you ever actually show your face? At, no, I played there. All, we actually played there because the guy who owned it, Lubor, Lubor, uh, of course, who yeah. actually is just back from Sweden. He's right. been in Sweden. Jingwen Records, right? By the way, he just published. I should make this my recommendation. This amazing graphic novel on the Battle of Shanghai. He's an artist. I mean, and an amazing, amazingly talented. Artist, so he's drawn a uh, he's done a graphic novel called the Battle of Shanghai, uh, you know, in battle the Great Battle of 1937, mm -hmm. uh, which is just mind blowingly good. Uh, that, okay, that's my recommendation. I'm I'm done with that. You're done. Uh, uh, anyway, Liu Bo was living with me and Ding Wu at the time uh, out in in uh, right. Shaoyaoju. Yes. 
Shiaji was great because, you know, like there was like all this wild marijuana growing all over the place. It, <laughs> I remember it, was, it being something of a wasteland. It was a wasteland, but but we had this and place. A land we, for wasters. Right. Yeah. So we, we called it the Tanggung. Uh, it was this, back then, in, in those days, it was like considered a huge apartment. It was, yeah. it was like this five-bedroom apartment, yeah. you know, one of those like seventh-floor walk-ups. Yeah. Um, just sort of on top of a six-story building. And uh, Liu Bo was one of our, our roommates there. And it was... He started the club when he was living there, and we we used to go out there and play together. I, I remember, um, actually, uh, like s- jumping up on stage and taking my guitar away from Xie Tianxiao, who has a habit of like really destroying guitars, and he's like decided to borrow mine. And I had no idea that he was going to be so reckless with the thing. So I, yeah. Anyway, the, the, those were the days. All right. Um, great, great. So, Jess, where did you play back then? I mean, I, I saw you all over the place, but what were your your venues? Well, mostly it was like the Keep in Touch when I first came to Beijing. Which was? Uh, in 1997. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to Wang Yong. Uh, I went for a formal meeting and I brought my demo tape and everything because I came from New York City. So I was like, you know, very concerned that like he would listen to the demo and be like, no, you can't play here. You know, like it is in New York City. Like right. there, are, there are places like that. There everywhere is like that. But anyway, I I let him listen to it, and of course, immediately he hired me. So I was playing there. <laughs> you played there regularly, yeah, right? Yeah, I had a I had two days a week. One one night was where I was playing singer songwriter stuff, and the other one was where I was singing jazz with various jazz folk, but including mostly, David Moser. Uh, David Moser, yeah. As well, Dave Moser and I played jazz at Samway Shu. Oh, oh, oh wow! Oh wow! That's yeah. another great place. Yeah. Samway Bookstore. Still yeah. around. Yeah. Still around. On yeah. Sidan. Yeah. yeah, and until recently, we're still organizing sort of interesting cultural events. I yeah. think I think Which they've been a bit clampy down downy in, yeah. in recent in the current environment, but. So, w- what about the the city? I mean, okay, we talked about some bars and things we know, but like, w- can we describe how different it was? Like, where did you live in mm. in, in, in mm. the, uh, at that time? <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about all our nineteen ninety seven mm. digs. Yeah, yeah. I yes. mean, because I mean, t- to to put it in perspective, if you weren't here at that time, it, it, technically foreigners weren't actually allowed to live in local housing. That meant you were only allowed to live in a show wai gongyu, like a foreign affairs apartment, which pretty much started at, you know, like $8,000 a month or something. So you either had to kind of hustle or you had to have money, right? So where did you yeah. guys live? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the first time I was out on my own, not in a uh, campus, uh, not in campus housing, I actually had to uh, pretend I was married to a um, former, uh, to a classmate of mine. Um, we were just friends. Um, but to uh, this was out by Renda, just some random apartment where, you know, the, the landlord was, was willing to, you know, it was basically just landlords around town that were willing to take the chance. And it was at, the, at a time when a lot of people had uh, been, uh, were starting to flip on some level and rent out uh, the state-allocated housing, a lot of Beijingers, um, definitely. Um, and so uh, basically we had to go to, you know, sort of like an interview um with this landlord and you know she wanted to know like why would a uh, a guy and a girl be living together you know unless they're married and so we just said we're <laughs> married to sort of smooth <laughs> smooth the process and uh 
and and there it was but it was certainly a time where you know every every day you'd hear you'd hear from some friend of a story you know story of basically the police coming knocking on the door and Getting whether to answer whether to answer or not and uh you know there would be purges in places like which is now Wangjing, basically around the lido area yeah. right, right. right. So and the now, landlords there were mostly farmers who'd had their land taken for construction right. and, right. and then other areas yeah. that were sort of kinder and a little bit more you know sort of zoned almost or semi-zoned like feng zhuang yeah um so yeah so what's interesting what i'm hearing is the center of gravity was certainly not at this point in like chaoyang there were there were i mean people lived out by you know in the university i lived in xisi i i I lived in mazadian for a little while too but you know it it hadn't really all sort of coalesced in in the area CBD San Li Tuan area, right? Yeah, I mean, you go to you go to you go to San Li Tuan, you'd go to you'd go to Guamao, you know, the power lobby of the uh, the China world. Um, but yeah, the there China world there was always was a yeah. yeah. I mean, was since a, the, since ninety five, at least that I remember, was always a center of yeah. Of business. Then, but there was only one the tower, bar, the yeah, chocolate like, bar, right? Right, Goji Dasha, Goji Dasha, yeah. But um, well, yeah. but back in the early '90s, uh, the place where everybody went was—I don't know if you guys remember Alfredo's, which was at the uh, Huachao Dasha, right north of of Wangfujing, like like right off of uh, of um, well, it's it's just south of Chang Changmen Nei Dajie. But it was a uh, a, a me- nominally Mexican restaurant in in that they actually had like. Chips. That was about the most Mexican thing that you, you could you could have there. It had an enormous Mexican hat as kind of a veranda, uh, and for some reason everybody went there. I mean, for some reason that was like where everyone went. Because there were the so few Western restaurants and bars. I mean, That's right. you could count the number. I mean, I yeah. think 1995 was uh, Jazia opened mm-hmm. uh, in Sanlitun. Mm-hmm. That was the first bar outside of a hotel that was cool. Like well, before so, that, so there'd been like there the was Frank's place, Frank's, right. which is kind of nice if you're like a fifty-something dude who plays golf and hangs out with hookers, <laughs> but is not like w- we were younger. Sorry, sorry Frank, right? <laughs> wasn't in that demographic, right. you know. Right, we were all very young then. Right, right. this is this we is wanted we're to meet about artists 20, and yeah. musicians. Yeah. Like to you think we had options, <laughs> you know, besides our roommates. <laughs> but but um, restaurants, there, there there really wasn't much by way of but restaurants. That's right? like part of the essence of like the goodness that was in the late 90s, like being able to seek out those places. Like there was an Italian restaurant in Fang Zhuang uh-huh, uh-huh. and we used to like go there and like he served like proper, like he had gone abroad and learned how to t- cook Italian food and it was okay or whatever. But like, yeah, you had to like really find like these yeah. cr- cracks yeah. and crevices. Yeah. And Certainly being here was, it was, uh, you know, it was a much... It had already cha- started to change a lot, like no doubt. I mean, by the you know mid '90s, you know, sort of certainly like, you know, uh, ref- you know, reform and development were taking off again. You know, after Deng's Southern tour, and uh, and uh, certainly, you know, I mean, the, the internet is just getting going. Yeah, um, glossy magazines and fashion and stuff was becoming That's a right. thing. Um, and uh, everybody was watching Michael Jordan on television. There, were, there was uh, a bunch of vocabulary that w- we used often back then that, that no longer exists. You know, words like BBG, Dagada. Yeah. A beeper. Yeah, yeah. A beeper, Dagada, yeah. a mobile phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us, what, well, Jonathan, what was a Dagada, and why did we call them Dagadas? Dagadas were the biggest freaking phones you could <laughs> fit around your head, even bigger than your you know, your head in some, some models. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Motorola was the, the the main thing that I thought of as Dagada, right? Those like 
size of two bricks basically yeah yeah i mean they were they were big phones i actually missed the era i never actually had owned a dog I, I, I didn't know they're too when expensive was your first cell phone in beijing i mean mine Probably cost like, like a motorola startac yeah, yeah, yeah it cost like three thousand quad no, no, I, was, no, no, I felt I mean, like i was, I mean, mine was like I just got twenty thousand quad it was yeah. crazy wow yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. back in those days that was i mean oh, it was crazy it was mostly beepers but yeah. Dagada is like a mafia reference, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 And Shagong and Shahai. You get into a cab and you know, you get into a cab and you know, that would be the, the cab driver would have this story about his he his or having son been. or whatever having, you know, sort of been laid off by some rust belt which is uh, sagging factory, which means you know yeah, Shagong. So uh yeah, I mean that was it was it was a time where people were pretty can- cantankerous and uh were adapting to uh, you know, the the changes that were, you know, sort of starting to, to happen pretty rapidly. Everybody was looking for their why quai, you know, their their sort of somehow their their money the money that they could make on the side from, you know, getting into jumping in the sea of business and uh somehow like finding finding an extra an extra income stream. And it was also the time at which, you know, I mean when when I got here, I mean pretty much nobody owned a house. You know, you, you occupied an apartment that was owned by your Dunway. Mm. But uh by the time we hit like ninety nine, two thousand uh, many many state-owned enterprises had the Dunway Funfang, so That's they, right. they yes. gave the houses, or rather, you know, gave a very cheap price very cheap. for the apartments. This is when we all blew it. Right? We I all know. there I were regret, two things, and then there was the early Shangpinfang. Yes. The commercial housing was like ninety-seven to ninety-nine, and it was still a time when many people. I mean, I was one of those who was like, buy a house in this country they, and seventy-year lease. I mean, are you crazy? This yeah. is just a crazy scheme. Yeah. What an yeah. idiot I was. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, All was four a, of us. Oh, no, not you, Jonathan. No, the no, three no. of us. Oh, no, Jess was, well, is know, a homeowner I'm, now, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, but fortunate. Married well. So, yeah. Me, too. <laughs> okay, so just us. Uh, just, just us, us two. We're <laughs> the idiots. <laughs> we didn't get on the boom, <laughs> pre-boom, boom. Yeah. Well, that was later. Where, where was Beijing in terms of infrastructural development? So let's talk subways and ring roads. Just, just to give people, let's our see. listeners, an idea. We had the third ring. Fourth ring was, uh, I think, just being completed around 2000-ish, right? I remember. Yeah, before yeah. that, it was. I yeah. remember when the fourth ring was being completed, and I had a friend, one of those early friends who had, like, a fancy car, and we went out to the fourth ring road, which there were, where nobody was on it, and, and you could just, just haul ass on it. I actually owned a car back then. I remember, remember? I remember that I remember car. That. Oh, I remember you that. remember that car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was how you picked up young, impressionable cover, exactly. cover reporters. Exactly. Yeah. It was a, 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 a red Jeep Cherokee like everyone else's. Right? I remember that car too, actually. Right. Yeah. I and remember speeding from like Keep in Touch, like going over into Sanlitun, which was becoming this up-and-coming bar kind of a place to go. And we were like flying all the way to Sanlitun, like with no traffic or whatever. So every time and I you drive... you park that, anywhere. Yeah, and you just pull mm. up on the sidewalk and... <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't know, this may not have applied to you, Kaiser, but if you had a white face, the police didn't want to deal with you. So no yeah. matter what you did, you just pretended not to speak Chinese and yeah. they'd be like, ah, time off and I forget about it. Just, yeah. get, you know, it doesn't matter. You were going 200 kilometers an hour, you know, get on with your business. <laughs> Things have changed. But yeah, my God. I mean, it was just like, there was no traffic on the roads until mm. like beginning in 99. I mean, so when I bought the car, I guess it was 97 or 98. And yeah, no, no, nothing. It was it was marvelous. And, I mean, there were fields literally right outside the third ring yeah. road in some yeah. parts. I mean, yeah. farmers just said that there's yeah. that there's that field that sort of that actually survived till I want to say well into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. That was just inside third ring by like uh, oh, I forget by uh, 
Anyway. <laughs> Some. Whoever it was. Yeah, the formaldehyde takes its toll <laughs> on one's memory. <laughs> okay, what about Chinese food? Oh, but you mentioned the subway. Chinese. I think that's oh, also... Yeah, I mean, okay, there's somewhere. been a gif that's been going around recently showing the acceleration of... But, I mean, what was remarkable is that at least from 95 until, I think, about 2006, there were only two lines. There's only line one, one and line two. two right. uh, and then, boom, you well, know, uh, it was it was before of, 06, 13 was built... And what yeah, was 13? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, none of them existed except for one and two in the 90s. So the right. subway just wasn't very yeah. good. Yeah. And it smelled like a hospital, like sterilization right, right. all the time. Carbolic acid. Yeah. Carbolic yeah. acid and yeah. nicotine, you know, cigarettes, stale smoke. I mean, and, and we still remember. I mean, we still remember that that sort of uh, lime green or light green. The terrazza. Uh, is, is that called you terrazza? You mean the, mean the, uh, the flooring? Right, or right, the, right. Uh, some of the tile is still yeah. there. Yeah, it's still, it's yeah. still now very it's, much present. You know, now it's, it's, it's nice and now it's nice and retro feeling. Right. You know, yeah. back then it felt sort of like, uh, you know, like a lot of things, like uh, you know, sort of the end of the end of you know the end of a, uh, a Maoist era, or you know, right? You know, oh, like that. Is that green you're talking about? The same green that you'd often find painted on walls, halfway where, up, halfway yes. up, and then there'd be a little top. line, yes. and then there would be white above white, where sort of plastery dusty kind of like you can't lean against it if you're wearing a dark colored terminal white, one so. of the the first airport or not the fir- i don't know if it's the first airport but the airport that i came into in 97 i was oh, like right. oh my god what this have i so done yeah, what right. am i doing here right. <laughs> i'm in a communist country <laughs> with green it looks wow. like a communist yeah, that country a, that yeah. was a that was that airport was just <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> yeah god. it did look like a communist country i mean the newsstands were uh, bereft of anything that looked like a modern media there were like two glossy women's magazines um and they both you know they were very kind of frumpy looking um uh, uh, you know which changed very rapidly in the early years of the 2000s well, CIMG but, i mean it was also you know there were, the internet was nothing i mean there were only a few million users even you know 98 99 you know tiny amounts of users and it was still a time where chinese people didn't have access to foreign stuff so like your chinese friends wanted music wanted movies goods yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah so, if there yeah. was a moment of massive acceleration that you had to point to, what, what what was that? I mean, I feel like it was the internet boom. I feel like like the arrival of all those Haiguei, every all these these sea turtles coming back, that changed everything. I mean, it suddenly felt like there had to be kind of more high end restaurants. There had to be, um, you know, there, there was like a, the commercials all changed suddenly. Suddenly, the whole sort of the whole advertising, you know. Industrial complex was 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 you know changed at that point. What you saw on television was suddenly a lot more slick. What you um, what you had by way of 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 um, well everything, all amenities, it was all there suddenly. About by two thousand two, I feel like it had this country was yeah. pretty much as it is today. Yeah, although I mean, so, I think you know, too, I mean, the forces that have been put in place. I mean, you're sort of you know building up to the w, you know WTO deal. Right. And, you the know, Olympics. And, the, and the Olympics and all the effort that went into, I mean, all the infrastructure, which was, in, you know, in Beijing, which was a reflection of what was going on across, you know, across the country, in, you know, cities, you know, cities building up and so forth, that those, those sort of forces were starting to, to kind of, to coalesce in a way. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean. 
So uh, I originally thought to do this in sort of a chihuahua kind of a thing. So we would talk about food. We'd talk about bars. We've done a little bit of that. Uh, what about the nightclubs back then? We talked about Nightman briefly. But do, you, do, you, do you remember when we were all young enough to actually still like go clubbing without embarrassment? <laughs> and w- there's one place. I don't remember that. Do you remember Hotspot? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a, pl- a PLA, like. Like disco on over by Jingguang, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. Sort of and like, there's all the people, like all the soldiers and everything, kind of guarding as you walk in, and yeah, like inside yeah, yeah. is this huge disco, like where they were playing umps, umps, umps kind of music. So I call it umps, umps, umps. We call it. Umps, I, I mean, often the, umps, the security umps, guards inside those clubs, who if you danced a little too creatively or something, they'd call you off the dance floor. Well, you were always that. like doing backflips in clubs. I seem to recall. What? I mean, every time I, yeah, we, we'd be at like the Vogue, I would turn around with a drink in my hand and I'd see Jeremy like doing a backflip. Is yeah. that is that my, my was no, I hallucinating I, or you? you I, no, that, you right? weren't hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Because it's possible, I mean, call. considering what was going on at, at, at Club Vogue. Let's talk about Basha Bahal, remember that? You guys remember that place? I must have gone. I was the, the guy, Henry Lee, and Henry his wife, Lee. Sally, oh, yeah. he's Shanghainese, had gone yes. to Australia. Yeah, and they opened Baifangs, the, the yeah. public space, which was this bar in Sally from Bar Street that doesn't exist. And then they opened Vogue, which was really the first club that felt like a Western club, you kind of knew there were people doing yeah. drugs in the back rooms. Yeah. The music was, you know, done by Western DJs who actually had the the, the new gunks gunks music instead of the, <laughs> you know, canned one from Singapore that all the Chinese nightclubs had previously had. <laughs> and Quentin Tarantino eventually. It's just like when everything was like. Oh God. But that was around 2000, though. I mean, that was, was yeah. It? yeah. What was that? That really was called nice. House or something? Was that, I don't know. My Neo EMD. House. Oh, the music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there was Neo Lounge. Neo Lounge, which is where Velvet Quentin Tarantino and... became uh, a frequent guest. But we're getting out of the 90s then, by the way. Are we? Are we? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you're talking about that, so... How about the mushroom bar? Oh, yeah, the magic mushroom bar. Oh, magic mushroom. That was down by, like, the embassy district. Yeah, yeah. It was, like... That place was a trip. And what about Half Dream? Half Dream, teaching the trans, transsexual okay, so let's, let's, dancers. Let's, let's talk about half, oh. half Dream. And let's talk about Half and Half. So there was there was a gay bar scene in the late 90s. Remember Half and Half? It mm-hmm. was in San Twin. It was on off one of the streets in, in um, where Dirty Bar Street is now. We all Dirty call it, Bar Street. We call, I don't know. What else do you call it? Dirty <laughs> Bar Street. Right? Yeah. And there was Drag On later as well. Drag On. Drag On. Drag yes. On. Right. Dragon. Yeah. Drag, drag On. Off, yeah. right. And then uh, Half Dream, and then then Half Dream was uh, taken over by another gay bar uh, that was right, also r- right there, kind of near where the April Gourmet is. Now. Yes, on I off. was there. On I've off been there. Or, uh, was on, that on, on off? On off, yeah. right? On off. By the guy that was a ballerina or a dancer or something. Jin Xing, that was Jin Xing's no, original. On off had a la la slant, I think, too. There was an angle there. So. Right, there was lesbian, a lesbian. Uh, lesbian. They had like lesbian nights and then Xiaopian. They used to have some uh, like skits. Arandran, that kind of stuff. You know, oh, sort of the, right, right, right. The, the body northeastern skits, which were always always a hoot. But that was also but my favorite hangout was always South Street. So, so, so there, do you remember there was Minders there, where there was always like a pretty competent Filipino cover band playing, and, and a murder I, occurred. Well, a murder, yes, a murder occurred. And if you went for a little further down on your left, you had Cafe Cafe, which was one of the old, old stalwarts. 96. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that started like in, yeah. In the, um, and then we had, of course, the Hidden Tree further down on the left, 
which was the scene of many of our, I mean, I must have seen, we, we all spent an awful lot of time there. They always had the, the best pizza in, in town at the time. And then, of course, right across the street was the legendary Jam House. We've all probably got some good stories from the Jam House. You guys know? Because, I mean, do you remember? You're grinning. You say yours. <laughs> the, the, yes, the, I didn't recall. You guys remember the roof of the Jam House? You remember yeah. the roof of, yeah. I mean, how like, we'd all go there. I mean, it would be I remember until, you and Mitch yes. Farkas jamming, playing uh, ragas. Like right Indian there. ragas yeah. on, the, right, on yeah. the roof of the Jam Whoa. House. I remember not recognizing, uh, what was her name? Bing. Bing, 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 Bing. Bing. When I finally saw her with hair. Oh, right, right, right. She'd, yeah. she'd, she'd like, she'd, gone she'd, hairless for a yeah. while there. Um, and so that was actually owned by this guy named Qi Qin, or Qin Qi, Qin Qi. Xiao Qi. Yeah, Xiao Qi, who was this kind of scary-looking bald guy with a goatee, pretty muscular. One night I saw him in, in fly into action. Um, I'll tell my, my, my story. I used to hang out with this other ABC guy. Uh, who's, his name was John Yen, who was uh, uh, – do you remember John? Yeah, we all called him Jensen, and he he was this kind of uh, guy with really pretty hair that he always liked to play with, and uh, he was a really good guitar player, and he had lent me this guitar of his, which was a real gorgeous, gorgeous guitar. I was playing it for a while. I had it with me at Jam House this night, and we played a show. He Yong showed up. You guys all remember He Yong. He Yong is sort of the, 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 he likes to think of himself as the godfather of punk in China. Mm. Um, mm. He, Fair enough. Punk attitude. Oh, sure, right. very Fair punk enough. attitude. Mm. Uh, little guy, real scrappy little guy. Um, mm. I once saw him at, at Alfredo's that I had talked to um, get into an altercation with this six foot five, six foot six, solidly built German guy. And, and He Yong went into his, you know, his green cultural revolution era book bag and brought out a brick. And because he carried a brick with him, you know, because that's what you did. And he jumped, he actually jumped up in the air and smacked the German on the forehead with the brick. And the, the German was, did not move at all. Just looked at him for a second, raised his fist above his head, and just hammered it down on the square on the top of, of Ho Yong's head, at which time he practically did the splits. He just kind of collapsed into a puddle. It was, and we all burst out laughing. Anyway, not funny, but um, Ho Yong was had a propensity to violence and mm-hmm. uh, this one night there was this very pretty little Belgian girl that everyone kind of you know was sweet on and uh, He Yong particularly liked her and there was another guy who, who was present who had been hitting on her and was a little too forward and He Yong decided to go after him but he was there with this Canadian friend of his who was like this pugilist and they it, immediately there was this, this fight broke out and uh, He Yong you know started doing his, his sort of ramp up with a swearing and the, the the Canadian pugilist just did two left jabs, boom, boom, both of which landed like squarely on his face and then a right cross that just took Hu Yong down straight. And Hu Yong got right back up. The the, the uh we we pulled him apart. Uh, oh, oh well, no, well, Hu Yong did. I mean, I remember why I, I mentioned this guitar. It's because he jumps up on stage then, and he grabs my friend John Yan's guitar by the neck in two hands, and he's going to, like, run to clobber the Canadian with it, at which point I run to intercede, and I have him in a headlock, and I'm holding him down while he's screaming at me. Meanwhile, the Canadian guy, for some reason, he hasn't, like, had enough, and he just decides to pick up a stool and throw it against this picture of Marilyn Monroe, for which for some reason was there in the jam house, and breaks the picture. And then all hell breaks loose. I see, uh, as I'm holding Hu Yong down, I look over and I see Qin uh, Yong, or Qin Qi, Qi Qin, God, fuck, Xiao Qi, uh, go into the back room and he comes out with a fucking cleaver. 
<laughs> and 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 then Bing Bing just like falls to the floor with her arms around the guy's knees, and uh, then uh, oh my god, I mean it was just just complete hell. He, somebody hit the guy in the head with a bottle. I remember, and he, he was a complete bloody mess. And, and oh yeah, Chinchi did that. Chinchi actually hit him with a mug. That's what he a full beer mug just went wha bam across his head. And so he looked like Frankenstein after his dishes were all done. Uh but man, this this poor guy, uh we pushed him out of the bar as quickly as possible with me like holding this meat I mean like holding you know, Shachi's arm with this meat cleaver in it. And for some reason I got summoned the next day to like you know, work out who was going to pay for what. That the Canadian guy wanted his hospital bills paid for. They agreed eventually to give him 500 yen toward his hospital bill. End of story. Wow. And he, he Young skated. <laughs> okay, end of story. We'll probably delete that. But we can probably delete story. some of that. It went on a bit long. But, sorry, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good story, man. You got I, was all, I came home, I was all covered in blood, man. It was, it was exciting. Epic battle. Epic battle. Epic battle. to madness. Can, can I ask you, like, what do you miss about the 90s? I mean, I don't want us to sound like a bunch of sentimental old fools, and it's not that that time was necessarily better than now or what came before it but there was a particular time in Beijing um, and things are really different now what is it about that time that you sometimes miss Jess and Jonathan Uh, I totally miss the it was a smaller city like I mean population wise and also the way that the buildings were set up and everything yeah like all of the hutongs have been tried and everything but like the quaintness has kind of a bit gone you Mm -hmm. know and you can still find it in little pockets here and there but like I feel like Beijing is very overweight, very obese. Like, there's just such a huge population because everybody runs here, you know. And I feel very, like, claustrophobic at times, whereas back then it's just, like, freedom and you can ride your bike around. And, and you, you know, can step out at 3 a.m. and hail a cab through yeah. non-traffic jams. It was jam incredibly free, was, wasn't yeah. it? It yeah. was very yeah. free. Yeah. There was a feeling, I think there was a feeling of, you know, sort of, you know, I don't know, a blissful sort of anonymity so sort of being there, you could sort of disappear, uh, even though you stuck out more, um, because uh, you know, because you just weren't you weren't you weren't saturated um, by sort of the you know the, sort of the connect connectedness of society because it wasn't it wasn't too connected, um, in a, you know in a lot of ways uh, you know with with the world at large or or you know via telecommunications in a lot of ways. So you know, I mean, an exciting headline back then, the China Daily was you know Li Peng meets you know Ghana. PM or whatever, you know, and things, you know, things like that. But there was, you know, it meant that there was kind of a, a space in a way to kind of judge, you know, kind of judge things for yourself, you know, judge what was going on for yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, as little of it as you could, you know, actually, you know, perceive, but you could sort of figure, figure things out, uh, you know, sort of on your own. So the three of us are American. Did the, the embassy bombing change things for you in 99? Well, I wasn't actually here for that that precise moment, but uh, I remember coming back, and uh, your life had uh, had changed somewhat because yeah, of that yeah. event. It was completely um, upended. But yeah, I mean, there was a, there was definitely a different feeling in the city, and uh, you know, I was taking over taking the reins of uh, you know small little city shitty weekend um, at that time, and uh, you know, there was this there was this uh, chance kind of murder at Minders, and we were looking for the broader context to this story. Um, basically, a Russian uh, member of uh, uh, member of the International Christian Fellowship, uh, a young guy, 
um, who, uh, you know, despite despite his sort of citizenship, was actually much more part of the the Western community. And uh, not to describe another long kind of bar fight story, but uh, basically, go for it. I mean, it won't feel as bad. There was a bar fight. And uh, the the owner of uh, of the owner manager of Minders, which was basically right out of the back of a police station, and uh, had all all sorts of nefarious connections um, as well as nefarious activities, uh, basically said sick em on the Russians. And so the body the body the uh, the Baoan, the body the uh, the guards at uh, Minders, uh, one of them ended up sort of taking a a a, a, a sharp object object of some sort to the back of this russian guy and he ended up bleeding to death because you know he was back the kind of bessie smith type story you go to the hospital and you know he didn't have the deposit there's no deposit and you know they don't treat you and uh time too much time passes and there you go and uh you know there was that incident and then a couple other incidents and uh there was this feeling that okay well maybe um maybe uh beijing isn't that friendly sort of um, you know, uh, low crime, you know, u- u- utopia that we uh, that we sort of had come, grown accustomed to, and we ran this, uh, we ran City Weekend, ran the uh, murder in San Lutun, all black cover, which was um, which was fun. Um, that was a scary, and uh, you know, we were we were then criticized, of course, by uh, by by the GAPP for damaging the environment for. Foreign investment. Poor hai. Told the told the What's interesting is all all four of us actually <laughs> we had our professional lives here, right? I mean that's that's basically what's happened. Have. Yeah, <laughs> we have or having are continuing to have. Yeah, yeah. Still, consider, still consider my adolescence, but yeah. But, but but we were. I mean, we were kids back then. I mean, we were kids when we came here, right? I mean. Look, yeah, I was only on. three or four years old when I got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, in answer to my own question about what what one misses, I do miss the sense of um, you know Meirenguan. As long as uh, you know uh, the, the sense, there's some things that were really really tightly controlled. Even I mean, in the '90s, some some neighborhoods. Uh, like you'd kind of feel hostile glances from old ladies with red armbands and there, there might be a problem if you stayed at, at your Chinese friend's house because the police would want to know who was this foreigner living there. So in some ways it was much more of a sort of, you know, totalitarian. The, 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 it was much more authoritarian and there were more controls. But if you were away from the controls, you know, a lot more was possible. I mean, like while City Weekend was being con- um, criticized by GAPP for that cover, we were running, Be- Beijing Scene was basically completely illegal and nobody was censoring us because it wasn't going through a process, you know. Uh, all the censorship was self-censorship, you know. But I think um, that's the back right. door is like being able to get through yeah. the... Yeah. the- the tape and stuff because you know the guy you have the guanxi right? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Then I mean, it actually... was definitely a time where the stakes were the stakes were much were much slimmer and the the odd you know the the you know the, those people who would sort of take a chance on these sort of you know ris- risky projects that were never you know invariably done with um you know sort of with uh, you know soes who were somehow privatizing some asset or privatizing some license um, and then, yeah, you could sort of uh, until you fucked up three or four times. But, but until you, then, you could do what you want. You could do what you want. And then once you fucked up, and then you know, and yeah, fast forward ten years later, things were you know this, this the state was entering, the private that, sector was proceeding, and the, the, the thing that I miss is related to all this. Um, but I don't really miss it. I'm glad it's changed. But um, personally, just from a purely selfish point of view, uh, back then 
it was a low gravity planet. It was like you come here and you had kind of superpowers. You could do more. I mean, there was a low bar for everything, and it was sort of like me, a very mediocre guitar player, could actually like you know make a career for myself playing music. Um, I won't say anyone. I mean, you you obviously you were abundantly talented. No, no, I'm only saying me. Well, feel welcome to join in with your own. You know, it was a place where mediocre people could do very, very well. You could do extraordinary things. How about that? Right, you could. You could. I mean, you lived like a very famous rock and roll kind of lifestyle for a little while. Yeah, just for a little while. Yeah, but like, it's not like a. Right, I didn't deserve it at all. I mean, obviously, no, no, but, no. but, but you it was it. no, you I didn't. Came but, to China. but right, well, that's all I had to do, though. I mean, that's what was really interesting. And was, put up with all kinds of crap too. Yeah, I but mean, it was it yeah. was such an adventure. It was yeah. so there was no never a question that, that that it was. I mean, it was just it was fun. Yeah. Everything was interesting. Every mm. weird little like embarrassing gig, as you were doing it, you were so self conscious of this. Like this is like I'll dine out on this story. On um, this is a, is this right. going to be? This is going to be. Right. And there was a sense of these. Oh, there's all these like happenings were happening. You know, pop up style that you know you right. didn't know you didn't know because you didn't know you know whether some you know big historic rupture would just end it all. You know, or whether it was, you know, the beginning of these things just, you know, becoming, you know, saturating. It was also, I mean, one has to point out as, as foreigners, I mean, it was fantastically open to foreigners uh, at that time. I mean, you could get meetings with senior government officials just because you were a foreigner, you know, in the right time, in the right place. Um, uh, it was when sort of hobbies you know whether it was fishing, not maybe not fishing. That's a bad example. <laughs> Rock climbing, hiking, uh, uh, were Chinese people began to be interested in them, and there were very few. There was no internet really, and there were very few uh, channels of information. So you, you, there was this tremendous openness from people who were not necessarily naturally disposed to being open to foreigners, but they wanted to learn about hiking. You know, or get music, or you know, learn about new cars, or how to mix a cocktail, which it might would invite you right. into situations that Innocence. now nobody gives a shit because you know Chinese people know all that stuff now. Mm. But you know, one of the great things that came out of that was that it was just simply more mixing. I mean, I look at my friends, a lot of my friends now, uh, the young, uh, some of the younger people, or people you know who came here ten years after I did, mm. who seem to be pretty separate. Often they have a pretty separate life as a foreigner. All four of us are married to Chinese people. We have a lot of you know Chinese friends, and we we we're we're, we're uh, maybe typical of our time in that way. No, um, I, yeah, do, I'm do not sure. That, I didn't go out enough. Blended to really more? Comment on that. <laughs> do you think that we blend blended better? That we that the, the scenes. I know, yeah, like I mean, the, there the rock there wasn't scene. As, there definitely wasn't. A, you know, there wasn't as much of a you know scene of Western stuff, or you know, obviously a critical such a critical mass of uh, you know of. Of you know, of, you know, businesses and students and you know, networking groups and all those kinds of things to be that served as distractions um, from trying to basically just you know be in China and sort of you know see what China what China was about. And people were uh, you know, and I say China, you know, it's still it's still easy, sort of fairly easy to make a friend in China and you know and strike up a conversation and so forth. But people back then were like. You know, 15 minutes on a train and you could, you know, you were going, you could go over to that person's house or that, you know, those, those mm-hmm. kinds of things were, you know, were, were, uh, were not uncommon. You know, I, I was on a train to, um, down to uh, Guilin area, you know, and, and ended up, ended up basically spending, it was a 95 and ended up spending basically better part of a week, um, you know, along with a, you know, along with a, 
a fellow student basically hanging out with these Chinese guys. We ended up on, you know, who were on the train with us, who were also just vacationing, backpacking in Guizhou. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that one, you know, nowadays they'd be going to their, nowadays they'd be going to their sort of VIP club and, you know, we'd still be, you know, backpacking. <laughs> look, 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 at, look at the lives that you guys have built here, though. It's really, I mean, fascinating. Jessica, I mean, you've, you've recorded a number of records here. You've been playing, you've played in a number of, of outfits, everything from sort of electronica stuff uh, to jazz to singer-songwriter stuff. Now you're acting in a movie. You've been, you did soundtrack work for a, a recent television show. Um. You've, you've had a documentary made about you. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a life. I mean, what an amazing life. Jonathan, look at you. I mean, you're, you're now like this restaurant mogul. I mean, you have three restaurants. Is that right? Between you, know, you and Amy, it's depends like, how you count them. Depends how, yeah, pieces, pieces. Yeah. No, no, partnered but, in three restaurants. That's true. And I mean, and you're writing for you know the best paper in the world, arguably. And and wow, I mean, what a life! Uh, what what a life you've made for yourself. Are you, do you guys are you guys lifers? <laughs> are you guys here for the, for the hall? Well, I married a Beijing Ren, so I think so. I I think that's about how it's going to go. But I mean, you know, I often think because of the way that the the city feels that there are times when I really want to seek out that creative sort of exuberance that once was here in Beijing, like uh -huh. where everyone was uh -huh. like, new things, give me new things. I want music and food and Western this and like all this stuff that we're talking about that was so happening in the late 90s, you know, and maybe just sort of, I don't know, somebody else that I met that's been here for a very long time who's also a reporter was saying like, yeah, you know, I'm just not, I'm not young enough anymore to deal with Beijing, you know. I need to, like, have half the year in my awesome place in Europe, and then I come here and I work for half of the year. And, like, that's, that's sort of, like, we've reached this age level where we're kind of, where I'm thinking about, like, Was that oh. Ian? No, it no. was another friend who's okay. a guitar player. And, oh, okay. you but know Matt Forney? Yeah. yeah, of course yeah. I know Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the I mean, one of the funny things He's is my age. Of, things have kind of come full circle in a way because you could you could, I mean you could make the argument that it's as difficult, uh, you know, for foreigners or you know sort of educated enterprising Chinese to live here now, uh, you know, as as difficult as it's been in twenty you know in twenty years or sort of since that time that it's kind of in some ways it's become a, it's become a hardship post again. I mean, certainly from the perspective of of multinationals trying to relocate. But for different you know, reasons. Yeah, you know, exactly. nobody used to talk about the pollution even though I, I think it was It was ghastly back then. then. It was, yeah, yeah, there were different, different reasons. Different I mean, no, reasons, no. but also, but in some ways similar. Mm. I mean, the internet sucks back then. There was no internet. You know, it was sort of, mm. uh, you know, the, 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 the living conditions are hard. But uh, really, I, I, sometimes I go out on those really polluted days and I, I, I have that olfactory memory trigger. I, I'll come, oh my God, the smell that I'm smelling right now is that smell I used the to smell in winters. Beijing. It's yeah. the cold, the cold it's smell. Right. It was yeah. street level rather yeah. than atmospheric as much. Yeah, right, so. right. Yeah. Uh, 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 memories. Yes, that was good. I'm, I'm sorry if, uh, you know, this show maybe only appeals to the other eight people who remember. But I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> so, Jeremy Novo, what do you have to say then to, I mean, to, what, 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 what do you want people to take away from a show like this? Uh, what do you want our younger listeners who, who've you know only been here for three, four or five years 
to take away. I mean, I just, didn't want them to take anything away. I mean, I, I think we just uh, talked about some times that are gone and places that are gone, and it's quite nice to have oh. that preserved on tape on the internets forever. <laughs> well, alrighty, I'll leave it at that. Sorry, I didn't have a mission wait, wait, statement. Wait, wait. But you ask said, Jess. <laughs> you said that you have very specific memories about all of us at the Keep in Touch. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that was particularly striking? Because I have memory issues where I can't remember certain things, so I was curious. What I just have mental pictures. I have a mental picture of talking to Jonathan about Kaiser uh, mm. at the Keep in Touch. I have, so embarrassing. Uh, That's really embarrassing. <laughs> you were a bit of a fanboy back then, I think. Well, he uh, he wrote know. a story about me. <laughs> now you've seen the error of your ways. But. Yeah, <laughs> there, was the, there was the when in the woo to the return of Tang Dynasty. Basically, the comeback of Tang Dynasty was actually the, the signature event of that era, um, you know, in a way. I mean, along with the divestiture of the military from yeah. um, business. I mean, it was right up there. Just, you know. And we were involved uh, in both. Rock on, man. I was involved in both. Yeah. But actually, there is if there if anybody wants there read Beijing Bastard if you want to know what that time with what uh, by Val Wong Val Wong if, if you want to know what oh, that time wow. really felt like I, I yeah. have I have the book I haven't read it yet I I'm looking forward to it oh yeah I got to yeah. read that Val Val still was like writing for China now back it's in good. the day yeah and I think we might all be Rowan. lucky not to be actually in the book in the book. I hope I'm not in the book. But others are. I didn't see why. Including some, you know, some famous, uh, some famous artist, filmmaker types. Zhang Yuan. Zhang Yuan and uh, Ai Weiwei and uh, Wu Guang and some interesting Do you, you guys, I mean, the, the filmmakers back then, oh, God, I mean, Zhang Yan and Huo Xin, do you remember those guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie Shower, that, that yes. for me, like, feels like the kind of, the, the Yeah, movie. and even back then, I mean, even then, you know, I mean, you along with, like, Peter, people like Peter Lore, I mean, yeah. you guys were, you know, already icons on the scene. Uh, no, no, up no. there, you know, uh, the counter, I think counterpoint you- to Dashan. I think if you stay here for like 20 years, like when you hit 20 years, you're required to write some sort of a memoir, are you not? Yeah, I may have to do that. (laughs) So you can read all of our books in a few years. (laughs) I've hit 20 already. (laughs) (laughs) We're waiting. It's crazy how our lives kind of intertwine, though, over over this time. I mean, I mean, like all of us. In various ways. Indeed. Okay, folks. Um, we usually do this section of, of the show where we make recommendations at the end. And so if you guys have anything, that'd be great if you want to share. Jeremy, do you have something for us this week? You know, I'm, I think I'll just pass this week. I'm, I, I've just been a long week, and I haven't done very much this week. Do you have a moving company you want to nice. recommend? Well, I have a movie I'll recommend. <laughs> Je- Jess is the star of a movie that I'm shooting this weekend with Jonah Castle, previous Seneca guest. Yeah. A uh, short Listen movie for show. the web. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, announce uh, It's details. sort of sci-fi, right? Yeah, it's a science fiction film. Oh, cool. Uh, and I get to be a badass, so I'm really happy. Well, about you it. are yeah. a badass. <laughs> so if anyone was in any doubt that Seneca is a, you know, incestuous uh, scene of people who, you know, make music and movies and work together and have been friends for a long time and completely control the entire narrative of, Western China watching out of Beijing. Here's your evidence. There you go. Hmm. The That's true. The cabal exists. Coming yeah. soon, huh? Coming soon. Jessica, do you have something you'd like to recommend to us? Uh, recommend in terms of, like, anything? Anything, yeah. You know, I mean, there have been people who've recommended how to make pizza in rice cookers here. So, I mean, give us something. Usually you know, Beijing from your, connected, your, but it doesn't. Give us something yogic. 
Yogic, by God. The only thing that's coming to my mind, because my father-in-law was over yesterday, and he was talking about the, the kitchen god, and how like you're supposed to take the kitchen god off of the wall and burn the kitchen god's photo so that he'll go up into heaven and talk about how you've been such a good or such a bad person through the year. And then the kitchen god, after Except a week, <laughs> comes back down from heaven and, and sits in your kitchen again because you go out and buy another picture. And I know that's not something to be recommending. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> I okay. think it is. Go is, is, and get this, yourself is this a, a, a CNY-specific recommendation? Or? Yeah, it's a, the guy's name is Zhao Wang Ye. Okay. Like, the, oh. like the Wang, uh, Zhao is like a fire uh-huh. ex- reference, and Wang is the guy's name, and Ye is like Ye Ye. Okay. And mm. so like the kitchen god. So I'll go with that. Even so though. kitchen uh, god. Jessica recommends burning Zhao Wang Ye. Yes. Mm. Quickly. I recommend uh, Brocode. By James Palmer. Yeah, well, you know, he was he was actually just on the show. Oh, okay. Right, so that's cool. Recommend it. Was we, he, uh, yeah, if you have pump, was pumping his own piece. So. Yeah, yeah. We, right. we well, did, well, did we, an interview uh, with him. We, and, 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 and of course, uh, Beijing Bastard by Val Wong. Val Wong. There's a great right. moment. There's actually a great moment in the book that I thought uh, kind of kind of captures. She's she's talking to uh, Wu Wenguang, the documentary yeah. maker, and sort of at this moment where she's sort of just sort of getting her feet wet and sort of trying to figure things out in China and he's sort of persuading her to quit her job, which was she was a colleague she was at, at good old City Weekend, take up filmmaking her her her, her her dream and she was like, I don't know, I don't know if I should do this or not. I'm not sure. And she says, I'm not sure if I'm a, if I'm a forever. I'm somewhere. I'm not a. I'm not quite a forever, but I'm no longer a flying pigeon either. And uh, <laughs> so the two, the two iconic bicycle brands. Yongjiu and Yeah, the uh, flying pigeons are the foreigners who, uh, you know, just fly away, uh, and the forevers never seem to leave. I did mine already. All right. Uh, well, thanks, Jonathan. You, Jessica, Jeremy, man. Well, you know, safe trails, happy trails, safe travels, whatever. Yeah, I'll be coming down the Y at you next time we do this. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. So bye. Stop, stop. Coming home. No, stop. We can bust into the Eagles and some Celine Dion. Yeah. Late 90s. All right, let's end this. Good night and take care. Bye-bye.